0: I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I'm excited for this next installment in our series. We've entitled the gift. We've been looking at uh, the gift. The Bible tells us that God gave His only Son uh, to the world, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so we've been looking at different dimensions of the gift. Inside your bulletin today, you'll find where I'm going today. That Jesus is the gift worth waiting for. Uh, there were a lot of people who were waiting for the birth of Christ, and uh, today we want to talk about why that was and why it was such an important thing and why uh, Christ is a gift that's worth waiting for. Look at all the kids we had up here singing this morning uh, uh, with some children's choirs. Uh, it's, they're waiting for Christmas. I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas to get here, and a, and a week seemed like a year. And now that I'm older, it all flies by. Uh, but when I was a kid, it just seemed like Christmas would never come. And uh, that's the way some of you are looking forward to it. We're a week before Christmas. Those of you watching us online, Uh, Later on, we're recording this a week before Christmas, and man, we just can't wait for it to get here. It's a day with family, a day with friends, a day we get to be with the people we love the most. And um, I love Christmas. But imagine that times a million when we're thinking about waiting for the uh, Son of God to appear. Today, I want to talk with you about that kind of desire and that kind of longing. Um, If you need a pen to fill in the blanks in your outline, raise your hand, one of the ushers will bring one to you. But I'm going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right in. Lord, there are some things that are just worth waiting for, and some things we just can't wait for. Christmas is one of those, uh, Lord, because it's such a special time. But, Lord, the first Christmas, there have been people waiting for centuries for Christ to come. And today we want to talk about why. So today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak, you'll move me out of the way, and you'll teach us from your word um, a little bit more about Christmas so we understand exactly uh, what you were doing when you sent Christ into the world. Prepare our hearts for Christmas this year. Uh, through our time together. Move me out of the way and say whatever you want, Lord. Amen. Point one on your outline, when Jesus was born, many people have been waiting for the advent of a Savior for a long time. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, they said, we bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. A Savior has been born in Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. And so uh, this is what, and I have the word advent in there, and you've probably seen that with Christmas, the word advent Literally means a coming into place or an arrival. So the Advent season is the Christmas season because it's about the coming of the Lord when He came into our world. In fact, if you take your outline and kind of open it up, if you go straight across the page, the first discussion question we have for our small groups talks about three ways that Christians have been have spoken about Advent for centuries now. And the first is that is christmas where the coming of jesus the advent of jesus in bethlehem he came in the flesh god became human and lived among us that's christmas the first advent but the second dimension of advent that christians talk about all the time is jesus coming to live in my heart and that's important i mean so if jesus came into the world but i don't allow him into my heart it doesn't mean no good and the third dimension of advent is when christ comes again he'll come in all his glory And that's the second coming. I mention all that right now because as you see, we're we're going to talk about part of the Christmas story after Jesus was born that doesn't get a lot of attention in many times when we talk about Christmas. But you're going to see all three of these dimensions of Advent lived out here. Christ coming in the flesh, Christ coming into people's hearts, and Christ coming again. So just keep that in mind. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, back to point one on your outline, said this. This salvation, speaking of Jesus coming into the world to rescue us from our sins, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it's also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. That's why when the angels appeared to the shepherds, and we talked about this last week, I mean, the whole sky was filled with the armies of heaven. They'd been waiting for this opportunity for Christ to come into the world for Advent. God became one of us. Now, I'm going to give you some reasons why that's significant today, and why, the, why it was worth the wait. And I'll start with this, with point two. It's because Jesus is God's gracious gift to save us from the penalty of sin and the burden of the Old Testament law. The Bible is broken into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you find um, that God has made an arrangement. God is sinless and pure. He never sins. He never commands anybody else to do it, to sin. But we do sin. And in the Old Testament, he made an arrangement with the people. It was the old covenant that... Um, if you sin the wages of sin is death that's true throughout the whole scripture But in the old testament the way you atoned for your sins was you took an animal and that animal would die on your behalf If the wages of sin is death and something has to die and if it's not me Well, then what who will die in my place? Well, an animal could be used as a substitute, but it wasn't a one-to-one correlation So animals had to be sacrificed again and again We'll even see this in the life of joseph and mary jesus parents Right after the baby was born. So, back to point 2 here. This is from Luke 2. The angels have appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds went to Bethlehem. There was the baby lying in the manger. They went back to their flocks. And they told everybody about Jesus. And that's usually where we stop the story. Well, the story continues. That's Luke 2.20. Here's verse 21. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. And down below that paragraph, you can see what Jesus means. It means Jehovah's salvation. Or you can write in there, God saves. So people always love, when we named our kids, it's like, hey, what's the name of your children or other things? Imagine if you, people say, hey, what's the name of your son? God saves. Oh, that's interesting. You named him God saves? Yeah, the angel told us to. <coughs> Wait, an angel told you to name your son God saves? Yeah, this is the child that's going to save the world from his sin. I mean, from his very birth and his very name, Jesus means God saves. So on the eighth day... According to what it says, and you can see this at the end of that paragraph also, in Leviticus 12, when a little Hebrew baby was born, a little boy was born, they would be circumcised on the eighth day, and that's when they officially were given their name. And instead of naming him Joseph Jr., or, you know, you'd name the, after the trade of the father, of like one who cuts who carves wood, if he's a carpenter, or some carpenter boy, or other things like this, what's the name of your son God saves? Well, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then, when it was time for the purification offering, um, they also went to the temple, Joseph and Mary went to the temple, as required by the law of Moses. And if you don't know I'm required by the law, you're going to see that three times in this paragraph here, because, and, and it matters. As required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child, so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord, there it is again, says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. And so they offered the sacrifice required in the law, there it is again, of the Lord with either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So they came to the temple with the sacrifice. If you were very poor, you, you, could, if you presented your child, you had to bring a sacrifice of a lamb for your purification offering. Or if you were very poor, you could bring two turtle doves. Nothing about a partridge and a pear tree, just two turtle doves, okay if you 're ever wondering the only place in the Bible where there's two turtle doves that have anything to do with christmas it 's right here okay and so Joseph and Mary, since they were very poor, came with baby Jesus and they brought him there, and they had to offer a purification offering and all they could afford were two turtle doves and so they go in the temple in obedience to all the commandments there from Leviticus twelve and also from exodus from numbers eighteen. And you can see those references, and you 'll see why they were there doing all this now this is important, and this is the note here in your outline, because Jesus fulfilled all the requirements the Old Testament law for us in order to have a right relationship with God, our sins have to be atoned for. God can 't have fellowship when sin is in the way. the sin had to be cleared out, so an animal had to die, two turtle doves in this case, for Joseph and Mary, for Mary for purification so what happened was, is that Jesus, when he grew up, he said this, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Sometimes people ask me, they say, well, if Jesus died on the cross for our sins, then all these people who offered sacrifices in the Old Testament, they just wasted their time. No, they did not. They were offering sacrifice, sacrifices until a better sacrifice could come along. This was the old covenant. And they were going to keep doing that until a new covenant could be made That would be better, where they wouldn't have to do that all the time. That's why it's so significant that Jesus came. And it's why people were waiting for this. Because year after year, month after month, every time people sinned, they'd have to go and offer more animals. You'd take the pride of your herd, and you'd have to slaughter it there before the Lord. And the blood would be sprinkled on the altar, and the blood would be sprinkled on the people. It was a constant reminder that the wages of sin is death. And over and over again, your whole life long, you had to come and watch these animals be slaughtered because of your sin. And there was a prayer that would go up. It's like, Lord, will there ever be an end to this? Could there ever be a permanent sacrifice where sins could be paid for once and for all? Well, that would require a perfect person to enter the world, and that hadn't happened. I can't be sacrificed for your sins, and you can't be sacrificed for mine because we're all sinners in need of saving. But what if there was someone who was to come into the world from the outside? Someone who never sinned, who was placed in a virgin's womb. And what if that person was willing to die for all the people? Welcome to the story of Christmas. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. This is Romans 3.20. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So when Joseph and Mary were being obedient, offering the sacrifices, they were doing everything that was said. This is what people knew to do. It just paid for the sins you already committed, but it didn't change you. It didn't heal you. I mean, the law is like an x-ray. If I get an x-ray on my arm and it's broken, I can look at the x-ray. Yeah, your arm's broken. And what if the doctor said, well, tape it to your arm and that'll heal it? You go, well, it's not going to do any good. No, it just shows me how broken it is. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't set the bone. But through Christ... When you and I come to Christ, not only do we come to him for forgiveness of sins, but we come to him for forgiveness of sins. And when Christ comes into our heart, he changes us from the inside out. He saves us. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. You're going to see this in some scriptures here. Look at a few more. This is Romans 8. Now the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us. That's what was going on. It's why it's so important that Jesus was born in a human body, that he came as a baby. He was just like us in every way, except he never sinned. Hebrews 10, if you flip your outline over. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. I mean, this is just amazing here. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And if you'd underline the words sat down. I mean, this was the letter to the Hebrews. What was so amazing to the Hebrews is they had read all the requirements of the Old Testament law, and there were instructions given to Moses by God, and how the temple was supposed to be set up, and how the altars were to be constructed, and what the priests were supposed to wear, even how they'd wash their hands, and how were they dispose of the bodies, the carcasses, and the blood, and how they were to wash, and all these things. And so the temple was completely designed with all the different places and uh tables and incense burners and candlesticks everything but the one piece of furniture that was nowhere to be found in the old testament times in the temple was a chair there were no chairs because nobody ever sat down because the work was never done as soon as you offered a sacrifice for people they'd go right back out and sin again the sin was atoned for but there was no change of the heart and the writer of hebrews says this is why it is so important to put your faith in Jesus because our high priest offered a permanent sacrifice once for all as Christians if we because sometimes I'm asked well how come we don't have to still offer animal sacrifices if we believe the Bible's true I go well that was the old testament that was the old covenant that's what testament means it means agreement or covenant the old deal that's why it's so significant when Jesus came that there's a new testament a new deal a better deal in fact, that's the note in your outlines. Good news, Jesus established a new covenant between sinless God and sinful people. That's why the New Testament starts with the birth of Jesus. The angel appearing to Mary, saying, A virgin, you're a virgin, but you'll give birth to a child. Someone's coming from the outside who grows up and has a body just like ours, but, and he's tempted just like us, but he never sins. And then he can die for people and pay for the sins once and for all. Again, if that's good news, would you say amen? I mean, Jesus, if you think I'm making too much out of this, I'm not. Look at Matthew 26. Jesus is telling his disciples, the night before he's crucified, they're about to see him die on the cross the next day, and his last words will be, it is finished. What's finished? The old covenant. It's fulfilled. Sins are paid for once for all time. Listen to this. Then he took the cup. This is where we get communion from, the Lord's Supper. He took the cup and gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, new testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. New Testament means new deal. It doesn't mean third and fourth quarter for those of us who talk football. Okay? That's what we think. Well, it's just the second half. Old Testament, new testament, first half, second half. No, it means new deal. Under the old covenant, in order to be right with God, animals died in our place. We have to sacrifice animals over and over again because it's not a one-to-one correlation. There's no end to it. Under the New Deal, Christ dies once, once and for all for sins. But there's even more. But let, Romans 3.23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. All of us are sinners. That means anyone can come. That's why at Christmas time, we want to unpack all this. I want to take the time to unpack all this so we understand Christmas is the best news in the world. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we can all come to Christ the same way. We come to him and people say, well, I haven't done enough. I, I can't offer all the sacrifices necessary. Here's the good news. There's a new covenant. Jesus paid it all. And you go, John, it's amazing. Could there be more? Yes, there's more. No, anyway, okay, you guys are waking up. Okay, here we go. God is working in you. Listen to this, Philippians 2.13. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come get you. And by the way, I'm going to ask the Heavenly Father to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he will be in you. He'll empower you. He'll bring to mind all the things I told you. He'll strengthen you. He'll transform you from inside out. Let me read this again. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do you know when you and I come to Christ, not only does He pay for all our sins, no matter who we are, what we've done, but through the, after that has happened, because that's happened, God places the Holy Spirit inside our hearts and He changes us and makes us new people. I talk to people all the time. They go, I can't come to Christ because I don't have the willpower I can't come to Christ. I've sinned too much and I don't want to make a commitment because I know I can't keep it. Man, every year I don't even have New Year's resolutions except I make a New Year's resolution. I'm not going to make any resolutions because I can't keep them. But here's the good news. Do you know when you and I come to Christ, even if we've never been able to stop um, to deal with the addiction before, through Christ there's strength to deal with that addiction and overcome it. Through Christ there's strength and we can deal with our temper and overcome it. Through Christ, there's strength, there's power of the Holy Spirit so we can control our tongue for the first time ever. So we can forgive and have love for people when we've never had love for them before. If you, and I, have, I meet with people all the time, they go, this is the craziest thing. When I came to Christ, I was so worried about how I'd be able to do all this. And the truth is Christ is changing me. I read his word and it's like my conscience has a supercharge. There's love in my heart when there never used to be love before. And he's making me a brand new person. If that's happened to you, would you raise your hand where God has made, raise it high. Look at how many hands are up. This is what it means to come to Christ. It's why people have been waiting for centuries, offering these sacrifices over and over again. I mean, the priests would be exhausted, especially on the high holy days. They would offer animal after animal, and there'd be rivers of blood and carcasses burning everywhere. And they're going, could there ever be an end to all this? And the writer of Hebrews says, when Jesus died on that cross and said it was finished, the work was done and Jesus sat down at the right hand of God the Father. That's why it all matters that the law was fulfilled when Jesus was brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph, his mom and dad. All the requirements were fulfilled. Wow. So there's two turtle doves. I don't know if there were 11 lords leaping. I don't think so, okay? The Bible tells us there weren't eight maids milking. It just tells us, point three, there was an old man and an old woman waiting for him, okay? So that doesn't sound as good, though. On the second day of Christmas, the true love gave to me an old man and an old woman. Okay, there we go. But that's really what happened, according to Luke 2, when Joseph and Mary came into the temple with the baby Jesus and the two turtle doves to offer the sacrifice and, and do what was required in the law. There was an old man and woman waiting there for them. And they would waited their entire lives for the advent of the Messiah. Here's another Christmas term. Advent means coming. Messiah means Savior. Rescuer. Deliverer. The promised and expected deliverer of the Jewish people. There had been prophecies given for hundreds of years. That there would be a Messiah who would come. He would be like David. The David who killed the giant with a sling and a stone, the greatest king ever. He'd be a descendant of David and he'd be the prince of peace and the whole the government of the world would be upon his shoulders and he'd be a wonderful counselor, almighty God, somehow in the flesh. And nobody knew how that was going to happen. Now, here's what's really interesting. There have been people waiting for that to happen for centuries and there were two people in particular who were very old who'd waited their whole lives and God blessed them by allowing them to meet baby Jesus that day. Here's the account, according to Luke. If you've never heard this before, this is all part of the Christmas story. Here it is. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Now, he was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come, for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, this is significant because according to church tradition, he was 113 years old. I mean, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that, but that's... According to church tradition, he was old. He'd been waiting his whole life a long time, and he was probably—if you're 113—you're probably going, "Lord, you better hurry up, because I'm not going to make it." Okay? <laughs> He's old. Well, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. Now, let me just stop there too. People say, "What do you mean the Spirit led him to the temple? How does that work?" Well, it works the same way in your, your life and in my life. And if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll be somewhere, and all of a sudden, it will occur to you. You'll see a friend who needs some encouragement. And you have this overwhelming sense you need to go over there and talk to them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you should give someone a call. Or you should apologize. And then we quickly get busy doing something else. No, but we'll know. Go back and say you're sorry. Call them. Write that thank you note. Do it now. Can I tell you, when we are obedient to that, we will experience God's blessing? When you come to Christ and the Holy Spirit is placed in your heart, your conscience gets a supercharge and God will speak to us and he will guide us if we will just follow. Simeon was righteous and devout. It had been made clear to him that he would not die until he got to meet the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior of the whole world. So he was hanging on. And that day, he had the overwhelming sense, the Spirit was leading him, you need to go to the temple. So Joseph and Mary are walking in, carrying the baby, two turtle doves. They're walking in, and there's an old man staring right at them, coming right toward them. Now, this is amazing. So when Mary Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, there we go, there was Simeon. Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised, for I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. And please circle all people. Jesus came for all people. It's significant that he was, uh, Joseph and Mary were that poor, they could only afford the two turtle doves. He's for poor people. It's significant that Simeon was old. He's for old people. I mean, there's all kinds of things in this story to tell us how he's for all people. Because the Jews were pretty clear that there would be a savior of the Jewish people, but now Simeon's saying, no, it's bigger than that. Look at the next sentence. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, to the whole world. And he is the glory of your people, Israel, for the Jews as well as for the whole world. Now, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just been a few days since shepherds came in the middle of the night. Mary had to give birth. There was no room for them in the inn. They were in a stable of some kind. There was a, the only bed was a hay trough, a manger, and they were there by themselves. Then in the middle of the night, these shepherds come tearing in going, There's the baby! The one the angel told us about. What are you talking about? There were angels that filled up the sky. They told us your baby is the savior of the world. Now Joseph and Mary knew this because Gabriel had told them this. But now these shepherds knew about it. And now it's a few days later, there's an old man they've never met, a very old man. He comes and takes the baby and says, this is the baby that will be the savior of the whole world. Right in the middle of the temple. I mean, Joseph and Mary are coming and dedicating their son just like everybody else does. But this man makes it clear, this is not your average child. This is a special child that the whole world's been waiting for. Mm. So Joseph and Mary are amazed at what's being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, and you get the idea here, he's been holding the baby, and he's handing the baby back to her, and he's looking her in the eyes. I mean, get this picture in your head. He's looking her in the eyes, and he says a very sobering couple of statements here. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. An old man comes up and grabs baby Jesus and goes, this is a child that will save the world. Now I can die in peace. I've been waiting forever. And he's here. Thank you, Lord. This child will cause great division. And he's going to break your heart. Now think of this. This is what's happening here. Meanwhile, as he's doing this, there's a woman that comes up, an old woman. Her name's Anna. All this is happening. I mean, this is just days after the manger. Now, think of this. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and she lived as a widow to the age of 84. And I just want to stop right there. That's certainly an accurate, could be a very accurate translation, but if she was a widow and then married seven years, uh, probably a more accurate translation was she'd been married for seven years, and then she was a widow for 84 years. And some translations have it like that. So in those days, a Jewish girl was often given a marriage when she was 13 or 14. Let's say she'd been 13 or 14, married for seven years, so she was 20. And then she was a widow for 84 years. Well, she'd be 104. And then it makes sense where it says she was very old. Or she could be 84, but then I'm going to offend somebody who's 84 telling you you're very old, but it's in the Bible. can't help it. Okay, here we go. Okay, so let's make it 104. All right, then we're then we're good. We would all agree that's very old. Whether she's 84 or 104, she's old. She's been waiting her whole life. There's an old man there who has the baby while he's handing the baby back to Mary, giving her this. Anna walks up, praising God. Oh, praise God! And somehow she knows there's something special about this child. She had stayed in the temple day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer, and she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and overheard the whole thing. She'd been waiting for the Messiah too. And she began praising God and she talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. A couple of observations real quickly here. A, Jesus came as a light to reveal God to the whole world. I stopped on this a little bit ago. We need to make a big deal out of this. We're going to do a candlelight service next Christmas Eve three times here in Prattville. There are other locations too. There's an invitation in your bulletin. You can find the times. You need to be a part of that. Because we actually act this out of the light coming into the world to dispel the darkness. You need to be a part of it. It's, it's powerful. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. I mean, that's what happens when you come to Christ. When you open your heart to his teaching, all of a sudden you understand, oh, God's the one who made me. He knows the best path for my life. He knows how I'm supposed to live. If I follow him, I don't have to stumble around and do wicked and shameful and stupid things anymore. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? Yeah, life application of that. Well, Jesus wants his light to shine out through us. And you can put your name in there. He wants his light to shine out through me, through John, and through you. See, when I come to Christ, and all of a sudden now he's given me victory over those addictions, victory over my temper, victory over my tongue, all of a sudden I'm not bound up in guilt and shame like I used to be. I have hope and I have joy in my heart. People go, what gives? And you go, God gives. He gives his son. And his son came into my heart and he's changed me. I'm not stumbling around in the darkness anymore. And here's the good news. You can have that light in your life too. This is what Jesus told his disciples. You're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is the light of the world. That's why he's a gift worth waiting for. Finally, freedom from sin, from the burden of the law, light so we know how to live, and the power and the desire to get it done. Man, what a gift. That's Jesus. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas, the ultimate Christmas gift. Point B, another observation in this paragraph, people will always be divided over Jesus. This child will be the joy of many. Others will hate him. Mary, your heart's going to be broken. Mary stood at the cross and watched him die. Jesus, the light of the world, who made blind people see and deaf people hear. Lame people walk, who raised people from the dead. The most religious people in their society were the ones who wanted him dead. Peter talked about this. He said, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and they and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. And Peter said, "Jesus is like that. He's like a stone that either he's a stepping stone to all the things God promised, or a stumbling block because I'm too prideful and I'm too stubborn, and I'm not going to admit that I need a Savior." Can I tell you today, if you've been far away from God and you've been stumbling around in the darkness, come into the light. We all need a Savior. There's a life application for you and me. It goes along with being the light. You and I must tell our friends and neighbors about Jesus whether the time is favorable or not. Simeon's words are as true today as they were then. This child's going to be a joy to many and a stumbling block to others. That's why... When Paul wrote Timothy, he said, "Timothy, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the times favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires, and they'll look for teachers who'll tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Can you imagine that was true in Bible times? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's still true today. I mean, isn't that true in our culture today? It's not politically correct to talk about Jesus." And Paul says whether it's correct or not, you talk about Jesus, he's the light of the world. He's the only one who could come into our world and be perfectly sinless sinless, so he could pay the penalty, fulfill all the Old Testament law, give us a new covenant. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the power to change so others can see the light inside of us. Jesus is the light of the whole world. People will always be divided over him. And point C, while we're waiting for Jesus' second coming, we should hurry it along. Peter said, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. What holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Well, how do you hurry it along? We hurry it along by being like Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man who'd lived his whole life doing what God wanted. Like Anna, somebody who praised God and served him even when life didn't turn out the way she thought. And by the way, this was something that happened the other day. Somebody came in and talked to me, and they said they were too old for God to use. They had missed their opportunity for God to use them. And I said, no, you're not. You need to come to church on Sunday morning. You need to hear this. We're talking about some really old people, like 104 and 113. I mean, they were used. It's like, yeah, but what did they do? I mean, okay, so they praised God in the temple one day. That's all they did. Well, they made Luke 2. I mean, that's a big deal. I'm still talking about what Simeon said today in 2016. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, what if you and I lived godly lives our whole lives long? And what if sometimes we believe the lie of the devil oh, God can't use you? What if the greatest contribution is about to come? Maybe we're the one who gets to lead a granddaughter or a grandson to Christ. Maybe we're the one who gets to make a difference and teach a small group where some neighbors. Uh, Come to christ and a whole neighborhood has changed Maybe we're the ones who can be faithfully praying for somebody for 20 years till they come to christ because remember the advents Christ came into the world the advent at christmas christ god in the flesh secondly Christ comes into my heart. It makes no difference. He comes into the world if he doesn't come into my heart And do you know there are people who at the advent is exactly the way they've described this because they've been praying for their son or their daughter or their brother-in-law for 20 years They've been waiting for Christ to come into somebody they love, into their heart, just like Simeon was waiting that day in the temple. He'd waited his whole life. And some of them even go, now I can die in peace because my daughter has finally come to Christ. What if you're that person? What if you're the one who needs to pray? What if I am? Then we should pray. That'll hurry it along. Jesus isn't coming back to the whole world here. What's my part in doing that? Letting God's light shine out through me. Telling people about him. Ah, can I tell you? Because there's a third advent, and that's when Jesus comes again. He's coming soon. He told his disciples, I came into the world. I'm paying the penalty for your sins. I will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you and empower you. He will tell you everything he hears from me. But I'm going to go prepare a place, and when everything's ready, I'm going to come back and get you. And then I'm going to take you home and you'll be with me forever. How many of you like that for Christmas? Yeah. How do we hurry that along? Same way Simeon did. Same way Anna did. Waiting, being faithful, obedient, devout. Whatever the Lord tells us to do, whatever the Lord prompts us to do, we just do it. That's what Jesus wants for Christmas. And the story tells us why he was worth waiting for. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you there are parts of the Bible that some of us don't spend enough time in. And, Lord, I just pray that today as we've meditated on the contribution of the story that Simeon and Anna made, Lord, that you remind us of how important it was that Jesus fulfilled the law. And, Lord, I'm so grateful that you paid the sacrifice for our sins once for all time I thank you, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we actually have the power to change from the inside out. You, change, you give us the power to live life as we should and the desire to do it. I just pray now, Lord, we will not fight you. We'd be obedient like Simeon was. And we'd be joyful like Anna was. And that we would hurry along your second coming. Father, I pray if there is someone who here today does not know yet the joy that comes from bringing you into their hearts, allowing you to come into their hearts, Lord, they'd seal that today before they leave. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that the light of the world can shine out through my heart, through all of our hearts. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.